You know, that turf in MetLife already cost the Packers a first-round pick. It better not cost them a playoff berth as well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Town Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, looking at the Monday Night Football matchup coming up for the Green Bay Packers against the New York Giants. Yeah, two teams that are actually on a relative to their own upswing as of recent. Of course, the Packers coming off huge wins against the Lions and Chiefs, but the New York Giants coming off of their bye week, a week where they didn't lose, but then also winning the two games previous to that. So you do have... Uh, uh, teams matching up on win streaks, which who in the world saw that coming earlier in this year for Packers versus Giants. So we do have a lot to talk about with the injury report. It is, again, for the Green Bay Packers, extensive because they don't know any other way to do it. And then we also have all of the numbers and overview of the Giants as well as keys to the game. So let's waste no more time. Let's take a look at today's injury report. One quick word about this before we dive in. This is not questionables, doubtfuls, outs, because with it being Monday night football, that is not released until after the Saturday practice. Yeah, everything's backed up one day this week. Generally, questionable tags come out on Friday. Not the case for Monday night football. They'll be out tomorrow. So this is limited DNPs, that kind of thing, typical practice jargon. So you got to read between the lines just a little bit more. But for the Green Bay Packers, limited today in practice was Jerry Alexander, Devondre Campbell, A.J. Dillon, Rashawn Gary, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Owens, Jaden Reed, Darnell Savage, and Devontae Wyatt. Did not practice was Elton Jenkins, Quay Walker, Christian Watson. Practicing fully, notably, was Eric Stokes. So a few notes about a couple of these guys. Jerry Alexander, uh, look. We don't know what's going on with Jair. No one knows what's going on outside of 1265 Lombardi with Jair. But he was asked in his press conference today. It was kind of an odd press conference, but like it's Jair, so it was normal. He did say that it is just the shoulder injury that is preventing him from playing. He said that he does want to get out there. He wants to play. But if the shoulder isn't 100%, it makes it very difficult for him to do so. Now, without knowing exactly what the injury is, it's hard to dive too much into that and be like, oh, he's just soft. Well, like, we don't know what the injury is. Cornerback is a position where you do have to use your shoulder a lot. You have to use your back a lot. And we know his back is also not doing great. So maybe he's able to do these limited practices, but yet not take the contact element in a game. Totally possible. Keep in mind his history with his shoulder injury. And that particular injury doesn't do contact well. If this is lingering effects or if he re-injured that shoulder, yeah, it's not really surprising he's not playing. It's still an odd situation. I understand the frustration from all different levels there, but basically we just don't know enough to say what is truly going on and frankly to have an informed opinion about what is going on. Beyond that, Aaron Jones, he talked at his locker today and Matt LaFleur echoed the same sentiment that as though he's getting better, still some ways to go. They didn't rule him out Monday, but he is getting better. Darnell Savage returned to practice today. That was also noteworthy after sitting out yesterday with the chest injury. Elton Jenkins, his did not practice today was purely because of precautionary reasons, according to Coach LaFleur. So nothing really to worry about there. And then one last note about Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes, even though he's practicing, he's the, the practice window is open. He is not yet part of the 53-man roster. So if they are going to activate him for Monday, which based upon two full practices in a row, very well might happen, they must make a corresponding roster move to create space for him. 
However, I will add in one word of caution. The Packers, when he came back, they did say that we are going to be very intentional, very purposeful about his return, given how it went last time. So bear that in mind. Taking a look at the Giants and their injury list from practice today. Limited was Dexter Lawrence. That's two limiteds in a row for him because of a hamstring injury. Sean Robinson and Isaiah Simmons did not practice was Daniel Bellinger and Evan Neal. And then they have a number of players on their injured reserve who are notable, and I wanted to cover that here. Daniel Jones, their starting quarterback. Darren Waller, tight end. He's out. Gerard Davis, linebacker. And then even their kicker found himself on IR and Graham Gano. Now, the Giants. They're not doing great this year. We know that. They're four and eight. How did they get here? They've got wins against the Cardinals, Commanders, Commanders, and Patriots. That's right. They've swept somehow the Washington Commanders. Losses coming against the Cowboys, Niners, Seahawks, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, Raiders, and again, Cowboys. Both times the Cowboys played this giant team. They blew them out, scoring 40 or more in each contest. And that was kind of a theme. A bunch of their losses have been of the blowout variety, while a bunch of their wins were of the closely contested variety. But as I mentioned, they are on a two-game winning streak, and one win, like, each was done in drastically different ways. The one thing that they had in common was turnovers. But against the Commanders, they put up 31 points. Against the Patriots, they only put up 10, and they managed to win both games. And we are going to talk about turnovers later. It's kind of the storyline of the whole Giants team right now, but just know that that is the one common refrain that has been present in their victories. And yes, the Giants are coming off of their bye Right now, they did not have a game last week. In terms of who coaches them, their head coach is Brian Dable, offensive coordinator is Mike Kafka, and then their defensive coordinator, former Baltimore defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, who's renowned for uber-aggressive, blitz-heavy schemes, and we've been seeing the results from the Giants in the last few weeks. How are these Giants different than last year's Giants that they played in London? Well, no longer on the team would be Landon Collins, Landon Collins, Kenny Galladay, Richie James, and Leonard Williams, the big defensive lineman he was traded away earlier this season. They've added Darren Waller, even though we're not going to see him on Monday, Paris Campbell, the wide receiver, and Bobby O'Ricky, the linebacker who happens to be one of their leading tacklers. In the draft and after the draft, they did get some significant contributors. One would be Deontay Banks, one of their starting corners. Two, John Michael Schmitz, starting center. Three, Jalen Hyatt, in terms of snaps, one of their top three wide receivers. Sixth round, they got Trey Hawkins, another contributor on defense. And then UDFA, starting quarterback for the last five games, UDFA, Tommy DeVito. Where does this team rank, though? That's the important thing. We need to know where the Giants rank across the board. And I decided we're getting to the point now in the year where, yes, overall year numbers matter. But at the same time, as we see with the Packers, things can be wildly different between earlier in the year and right now. So I'm going to supply you with two rounds of numbers this week for the opposing team. It's going to be where they are season-wise for each one of these things, but then also where they are averaging over just the last three games. Perhaps give a window as to what the trend is more recently. So offensively, passing yards per game, they're getting 151.6, dead last in the NFL, that's 32nd. Over the last three, 141.3, they've dropped 10 yards per game, and yet still managed to rise the rankings to 29th. Rushing yards per game, they get 107.1 yards per game. That's 18th in the NFL. Over the last three, 86.7. 30th 
in the NFL. And that's not entirely just because of Saquon. For one, they really don't have a lot of depth behind Saquon. But for two, they did go against the Patriots, which always seem to have a great run defense. And Saquon's numbers did reflect that in the last game they played. In terms of scoring, the New York Giants score 13.3 points per game. It's 31st in the NFL. Last three games, 19.3, good for 20th in the NFL. And that is booed by a 31-point contest against the Washington Commanders. What is notable about this Giants offense? Well, you know, passing-wise, it's pretty darn straightforward what they do. Over the last five games, only 15% of DeVito's dropbacks have been play action. And only 7% have been screens. And the thing is, neither one of those specialty plays are actually working when they're called. As for total stats... He's five games in. He's thrown for seven touchdowns, three picks, 697 yards, a relatively clean statistical line. But there's some things that we're going to get to there. As for where he spreads the ball, he has found some success going deep, predominantly against the Washington Commanders and their very haphazard secondary that they've been rolling out. But that was DeVito's strongest game, and it showed he does have a strong arm. He can push the ball down the field. When going deep, he's got two big-time throws, as defined by PFF, as well as two turnover-worthy plays. And they're not just, like, barely deep throws, because any deep throw is something that's over 20, over 20 yards. His deep throws are averaging a depth of target of 32.3. Something he's just, just not just cracking 20, he's slinging it. 32.3 being the average depth of target. But this is the story of Tommy DeVito. Man has started five games for the New York Giants. He's been sacked 28 times. Yeah, run the math in your head on that one. 28 times in five games. He gets pressured on about 40% of his dropbacks. And if you recall last week with Patrick Mahomes, the, the whole pressure to sack ratio, right? Mahomes is very difficult to bring down. His ratio is only about 8.6%, meaning... 8.6% of the pressures that get to Mahomes actually result in sacks. DeVito, holy buckets. His pressure to sack ratio, 47.5%. Yeah, 47.5%. The dude gets pressured on 40% of his dropbacks, and then 47% of those turn into sacks. Holy crap. He gets beat up a lot behind that line. and. See, that's the thing, though, too, is it's not just the Giants line that's at fault here, because this has been a problem for DeVito dating all the way back, even throughout his collegiate career. If, and if you blitz him, he truly falls apart because then that number, the pressure to sack ratio, jumps to 64 percent, 64 percent. That's insane. DeVito, he's got a strong arm. He's got some agility to scramble. He can make some nice plays. but. The reason why pressure to sack ratio isn't just on the offensive line is because it is also indicative of a quarterback's processing speed. Some people in the NFL want to count stats as a true quarterback stat. And why is that? Or I should say sacks is a quarterback stat. Why is that? Because yes, some sacks happen where they just get the ball and immediately clobbered. We see that every week. But other sacks happen because a quarterback is slow to diagnose the defense, slow to process, slow to see who's open. That's the case with Tommy DeVito. Is their line bad? Oh, absolutely, unequivocally. But DeVito does nothing to help the cause. And 
it's pretty easy to make the argument too that their very very straightforward passing game may not help that way as well especially if he's throwing the ball deep which he does have a tendency of doing so it's just kind of like everything building to this one central problem for the giants offense he is a young udfa quarterback with a decent arm decent ability to scramble with a poor offensive line deficient weapons even though he's got saquon but part of this problem is his and speaking of saquon i know everyone's very very worried you know the giant or the the packers run defense going against someone as good as saquon barkley and like i i get it on the year, Barkley's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. He's got four rushing touchdowns. He's also added in 28 catches for six yards per catch, just because. And he is averaging more yards after contact than even Isaiah Pacheco was for Kansas City. And we all saw how well that went for Green Bay. But Pacheco last week averaged about six yards per carry. And it still felt as though Green Bay's defense was predominantly in control of that game, never allowing the Chiefs to really explode anything large. Even Pacheco himself never really like cracked a 50-yard run or anything like that, right? So from my personal standpoint, even if Saquon has a Pacheco-esque game, they should still be okay, assuming that DeVito is pressured. Now let's take a look at the Giants' defense, and this is where it gets fascinating. Passing yards per game, they are allowing 228.3 passing yards per game. That's 20th in the NFL. Over the last three, 279.3. That's 31st in the NFL. Rushing yards per game, they give up 136.1. 28th in the NFL. Over the last three, 163. 163 yards per game. That's 31st in the NFL. And drastically worse than Green Bay, I'll, I'll have you know. Scoring, they give up 24.3 points per game, 26th in the NFL over the last three, 25 points per game, 24th in the NFL. Look at all of those numbers, okay? The Giants' defense is struggle-busting. The story, though, and why they've been able to pull off two recent wins is because of nine turnovers over the course of the last two weeks. They got three picks against the quarterback combo of whatever New England is rolling out, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Then, two weeks, or three weeks ago, I should say, against Sam Howell, they got three picks, plus three fumble recoveries in that game. Matt LaFleur noted that the Giants are one of the best teams in the NFL at actually poking the ball out from ball carriers. So that is something that Green Bay is going to have to be aware of. But, if the Giants' defense doesn't get those turnovers, they get scored on. That's the name of the game here. They rank in the bottom third of every major statistical category. Even go into the advanced numbers, whatever. pick whatever number you want, chances are the Giants are in the bottom third of the NFL. They get scored on a lot. But they build themselves out with timely turnovers, or at least that's been the case for the last two wins. If the Packers can avoid that, again, they should be okay. The thing to know about the Giants' defense also, besides all of the rough numbers, part of the reason for the rough numbers, I should say, is they don't tackle well. Of their top 15 snap getters on defense, only three have missed tackle rates under 10%. And one of them now plays for the Seahawks, which is <laughs> incredible. Like <laughs> Leonard Williams, who was traded to the Seahawks. So it's not a great tackling team, which certainly contributes to their defensive deficiencies. Now, 
Let's get into some other relevant numbers for the Giants, right? What is their turnover margin? Well, after this last tear that they've been on, it's at a positive 0.4 turnover per game. One of the tops in the NFL. Over the last three weeks, it's plus three per game, which is absurd. For what it's worth, Green Bay actually ranks second in that category over the last three at a positive 1.7 per game. In terms of sacks per game, the Giants muster just 1.8 sacks per game. It's 29th in the NFL. In terms of getting sacked per game, 5.8. Dead last in the NFL by a mile. Penalties. This is one area where they do rather handedly beat the Packers, as most teams do. The New York Giants get only 5.5 penalties per game called on them. It's good for 10th in the NFL. Green Bay still lingering at 7.2 penalties per game, otherwise known as 30th in the NFL. In terms of plays per game, how many plays they actually get off? The New York Giants get off 62.4 plays per game. However, over the last three, that number has dropped quickly to only 53 plays per game. Green Bay sits at a season average of 61. And then as for special teams, the Giants have a grade of 70.8 from PFF. That's 23rd in the NFL. The Packers, 75.3. Good for 18th in the NFL. So, keys to victory. And I don't mean to make this sound oversimplistic. I also don't mean to make this sound like it's going to be a cakewalk for Green Bay. We know that Green Bay as it's ups and downs, right? But these keys may be more simple than they've been in other weeks. They don't have to radically increase a number against a team. They don't have to make a team greatly alter a tendency of theirs. The Packers could just play the Giants and have the Giants play their game. And as long as they don't screw it up, this should be a game they can win. So let's look at the exact keys. Number one, win the turnover battle. Like I was saying, this game seems pretty simple. If the Giants defense doesn't get turnovers, they get scored on. Luckily for the Packers, as of late, they haven't been turning the ball over. And if you can make DeVito give you one of those gifts, take it. Game very well might be yours then. Number two, get after DeVito. Frankly, you don't have to like double his pressure number, right? Like we talked a few weeks ago with Jared Goff, like exceed his season average and you should be successful. No, just with DeVito, just like get what he's giving up every single week against teams that don't even rush the passer as well as Green Bay does. So, I mean, they're giving up almost six sacks a game. He's pressured on 40% of his dropbacks. Like the math maths here, and it's all in favor of Rashawn Gary and company. Now, Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, he was one of the best left tackles in football that last year. He did miss a large stretch of games this year, and it looks as though he's finally rounding into form with a very, very strong game against the Patriots two weeks ago. So come up with a strategy for him. Make sure that Rashawn Gary can attack the other side, because even then, Evan Neal, he hasn't practiced in a couple days. He may be out, which means they're going to trot out a backup at right tackle. Like It's a deficient line except for maybe Andrew Thomas, if he's right in this game. So, John Gary, go get him. Number three, trap games should not exist for a young team. Look, earlier in the year, we talked extensively about how learning is a process. It's up and down, right? It is not just always taking a step forward. If they take a step forward from their performance against the Chiefs, they may win by 50. But it's not like that. Sometimes learning is taking two steps forward, three steps back, and then one forward again. We all know that, right? But when you're referring to a trap game, 
A trap game is generally for a veteran team on its way to the playoffs, and then they just forget for a week, right? They just don't show up for a week. They're just not motivated. There's no fire. They took the game for granted, whatever, right? Young teams shouldn't have trap games because they shouldn't be coasting through anything. Look at last year as the perfect example. Packers head to London. It's a predominantly veteran team at that time. No, not one of the oldest teams in the league, but like they're up there, right? Led by the quarterback, of course. But they go to London and then they drop a game that they absolutely should have won against an inferior Giants team. And part of the reason that they lost that game is because they completely and utterly forgot their identity towards the end of the game. They forgot that they were better than the Giants, right? Well, young teams, they haven't proven that. They don't have the reputation. They may take a step back learning-wise, but to take a game for granted would be just straight-up foolishness. So this team does have a lot of the vets returning, and they should absolutely remember what going against the Giants was like last year, even if this is a radically different Giants team. The Packers need to come into this game aggressive. All gas, no break. Get out there and score early, score fast, and make DeVito and company play from behind. Because if you can do that, then we might be looking at a 10-sack game. Defenders, go make a reputation against Saquon Barkley and actually have it be a positive one. This should be a win for the Packers, but if they revert back to the way that they were playing in weeks four through nine, then it may not be. So, Packers, remember who you are. Don't take this game for granted. Go get them. Overall final prediction, Packers should win, and they should win convincingly. They are the far superior team in almost every possible way, except for run defense, which is where they're they're like within a yard of the Giants in run defense. So, this should be a win. Yes, the Giants are coming off of their bye, but the Packers are just the better team. So let's call Packers win 31 to 17. We will have a watch party on Monday night. Me and Claudia will be here the entire time. So make sure you check it out. Big great time every single week. So we will be here on Monday checking out Packers versus Giants. Make sure you check that out. Should be a great time. I hope you have an absolutely fantastic weekend. Hope the world is treating you well. And as always, go Pack Go.